What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. Rabbit Hole Recap 192. Sorry for the technical difficulties. We've got the studio. Studio's looking good. We've got a lot of audio, video equipment. We just need to get a new computer. Our, our cache was full, so the live stream crashed twice. Uh, we decided to just do it old school and just record locally for most of the episode. So if you were listening live and cut out on you, that's on us. You guys know it's the TFTC difference. We're, we're working on becoming legitimate. You got to be so bad that you can only get better. And that's what we're doing here at TFTC. Car's, car's shaking his head. We're like, we're not that bad. We're getting better car. We're getting the new Apple Studio. It's not coming until June though. So I'm going to have to buy like an, a Mac Mini. Or an M1. Hold us over. Speaking about holding us over, do you want somebody to hold your hand when you're setting up your collaborative custody? You're looking to secure your Bitcoin in a collaborative way, in a multi-sig fashion, so that it's very secure, geographically distributed. And you're going to come talk to our friends on Chain Capital. They have a white glove concierge service that's going to take you from zero to having a multi-sig collaborative custody wallet set up. White Glove Concierge Service includes video conference calls with their team. They're going to send you hardware wallets. They're going to get you comfortable with the hardware wallets, teach you how to set them up, back them up. Uh, they're going to walk you through the process of setting up a vault to two or three multi-sig, which you hold two keys, Unchained holds one. You always have full control if you have those two keys. Unchained is there. If you're ever in a pinch and need them to be the second in the two or three multi-sig quorum, once you have your vault set up, they're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats into the vault Tell them that TFTC sent you. You're going to get $50 off that whole package. Go check out everything they have going on. Unchained.com. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. Brains team, if you're listening to this, I know you listen to every ad because I make you guys laugh. Uh, you're going to be in Austin soon. Edward. Edward Evenson. You got to come in. You got to sit down in this nice leather chair. Daniel, if you're here, Christian, if you're here, we're all going to sit down and have a nice powwow here on TFTC. Disclaimer, they're sponsors of the pod. I'm reading their ad right now, so you may be able to tell that. Uh, Brains is the team behind Slush Pool, which is the oldest mining pool in uh, the history of Bitcoin. It was the first one, so it's the oldest. It's still around. A lot of come and gone since it launched, but it has stayed a stalwart in the industry. Uh, their team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, which allows you to stack more sats. So you produce more hash in there for you stack more sats with your ASIC. So if you have an ASIC that's compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you're leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. Go to Brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. Check out everything they have going on. They have insights.brains.com. Uh, they have Slush Bull you can get to from there. They have an incredible blog. They just dropped one uh, about mining in Paraguay this week on, on and dove into their hydro uh, mining, mining off of hydroelectric energy, electricity. And I believe it was Paraguay. Not, it was Argentina. Sorry, guys. Fuzzy week. Um, and then Brainsoft Plus firmware. Um, again, if you have an ASIC that's compatible with it and you're not using it, you're leaving SAS on the table, go to brains.com. Uh, go to the BOS Plus firmware page and figure out if your ASIC is compatible with it and then download it if you don't have it already. This was also brought to you by good friends at 
Hoddle, 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 Hoddle is here to bring you a no KYC, no AML lending platform. You put Bitcoin up as collateral on a two or three multi-sig escrow accounts. You hold one key, your counterparty in the trade holds one key, and then Hoddle, Hoddle holds the third key. You don't have control over the funds, over the duration alone. However, you have visibility into the multi-sig address, uh, which gives you peace of mind that your sats aren't being rehypothecated so that you know when you pay your loan back, your stablecoin loan, uh, if you pay it back, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. Um, so that's the way it works. You put Bitcoin up as collateral, you get stablecoins. As long as you're paying back that loan, that stablecoin loan, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. Alternatively, if you have stablecoins laying around and you want to get a yield on them, you went to the other side of that order book. Uh, you lend your stable coins out to Bitcoiners and they give you back your stable coins plus interest. So you get some yield on that. Go to lend.hodlehodl.com to check this out. That's lend.hodlehodl.com. This trip is also brought to you by good friends at the Bitcoin 2022 conference. We're two weeks away. We're 12 days away. See it on Matt's face. He's stressed. He's, he's, he's helping organize this. He's helping. It's a big conference. 35,000 people I'll be in South Beach, Miami, April 6th to 9th. It's coming up. Have you, have you gotten your ticket yet? No? Maybe you should go to b.tc slash conference, use the code TFTC, get 10% off. Prices are only going to go up between now and the conference today, I believe, um, depending on how many tickets get sold. As more tickets get sold, the price goes up, supply, demand, economics, all that stuff. First day is industry day. Second two days are general conference days. Fourth day, music festival, comedy festival, other shit. Um, I'm going to be doing live rabbit hole recap with Matt. We're going to be doing live rabbit hole recap. So in two weeks, rabbit hole recap will be live from Miami. Pretty dope. Um, I'm on a mining panel as well. How do we protect ourselves from an ESG attack on Bitcoin? And then apparently they have like live stream and then they have like game day commentators of what I'm going to do like two hours, one on industry day and then one on the first conference day, I believe. So it should be cool. B.tc slash conference. Use the code TFTC. 10% off. We're all going to be in Miami. Partying. Partying on the beach. With, I don't even know the words to that song anymore, but Will Smith sang it back in the 90s. Uh, that's all the advertisers. Enjoy this rip. 192. Love all you. Okay. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. Number 192, rabbit hole recap. Sitting down with you, Matt Odell. Eight away we? to 200. Eight away from 200. We will not be getting to 200 before conference day. We've explained this in the past. <laughs> should we just do every day's rabbit hole recap till then? <laughs> We'd have to do. Oh, wait, no, we have two weeks. Yeah, very basic math, Marty. 12 days to the conference. We have I thought eight it was, episodes to go. I, I thought it was next week. In my mind, I, I have a conference next week. 
Like, is it Miami now? It's Houston in power. Digital Wildcatters event. If you're going to be in Texas, you want to go down to there. Wasn't that yesterday or was that the meetup yesterday? That was the the Bitcoin, the Houston Bitcoin meetup. Incredible meetup. I did not make it. Did you go it. to that? I did oh. not. Uh, I've got to pick my battles these days. We're in the third trimester here in the Ben family. You're going family. to empower? I'm going to empower. So I, I, I decided I'm not going to go to Houston. When is that? Next Wednesday and Thursday. So we're going to be recording RHR on Friday again next week. Freaks number 193 will be on Friday. Yeah, this week was my fault. Next week is Marty's fault. So now you know who to blame. And yeah, we, we're even. We're even after next week. How's the uh, behind the scenes lead up to the conference? You okay? It's going. It's going. It's going to be a fucking massive <laughs> event. I don't think it's really uh, hit anybody yet what 35,000 people looks like. Yeah. South Beach. And if Bitcoin keeps pumping, you know, technically the venue can hold 120,000 people. So who knows? If Bitcoin keeps pumping, maybe we'll hit 40K, 45K people. Uh, well, we're almost there. It's a good segue. We'll just jump right in the Clark's dashboard. Uh, Current price of Bitcoin is 44,415 cuck bucks. One cuck buck's going to get you 2,251 sats at an $843 billion market cap. We are at block height, 728,982. We had a difficulty adjustment right before last week's show. We are currently 810 blocks away from the next adjustment, which is estimated to be on March 30th. And right now it's estimated to be a 4.2% upwards adjustment. Blocks are coming in at nine minutes and 35 seconds on average since the last adjustment. So we're going to have to make it a little harder to mine as of right now in, a, in about a week. There are 9,505 transactions in Clark's mempool. With that being said, we're going to be able to get one sat per byte fees in within the day. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened sooner than that. Samurai Whirlpool, where are we? 4,395.12 Bitcoin. A little less than last week. We were over 4,400 last week. Um, so a little below there. Still a lot of Bitcoin. Still a lot of Bitcoin. Still a lot of Bitcoin. That is uh, 195.3 million cuck bucks worth of unspent value. Approaching 200 million. Again, price of Bitcoin going up. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want to say we're the prices up. I mean, it's it's it touched forty five earlier today, but like we're still like my in, block clock still says fifty four k on it. Yeah, who knows? Maybe you'll have to turn your block. Let's maybe that's when do you when do you think you're going to turn your block clock back on? Did we lose them? Your Wi Fi cut. It was either our Wi-Fi or the Mac Mini that we're using. We need to get a new. That's business on there. We oh bought, right, the new computer is not in yet. The new computer is not in yet. Uh, our Mac Mini is holding on for dear life. I'm probably just gonna have to buy another one of those to hold us over. Between that and the studio, where were we? What was I just about to ask you? Oh, you were talking about price, and I was saying that my block clock is still at fifty-four k. Yes, and then I, uh, then that's where you froze, and you missed me asking you when do you think you're going to turn your block clock back on? I don't know. I'm. Uh, you're scarred by the two hundred k by conference day. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm never gonna talk about price again. 
Okay. And I'm just going to keep staying humble and stacking sets. Okay. You learned your lesson. You know, this is, uh, we're growing up here. We're growing up. Here. I mean, I say never, but let's, let's be, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have 56 K gonna... many fucking times. <laughs> uh, it's been a but week. I, when we pass 54, I'm not immediately plugging in it. Let me put it that way. What do you, what? I'm a very superstitious. Very superstitious. As soon as you plug it in, yeah, just never plug it back in. Just have that be. I don't. Know. I might have to get a new. I might have to get a new block lock so I can plug the new one in. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to have it plugged in, as you can see here. What are we? Eight hundred and ten blocks away. It's great not having it plugged in as well. Why do you say that? Because when people walk into my office or I video call someone, they always <laughs> lose their shit because they think the price is bumping. <laughs> And they well, never mention it right away. They always like check their phone or something and I see it happening and I know exactly what's going on. They're like, wait, but it's just fucking pump before, before I got on the call. Well, this is why we need to never plug that back in. Cause it, you could have the opposite effect too in the future. When we do go over 50, exactly. We're at like a hundred K and you're just like at the block clock. You're like, what the fuck? We're at 54 people like immediately. The hop gift off that the keeps call. on giving. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a week. What a week. Yesterday was a hell of a day. Matt's holding up his block clock. Right Just to prove it. $8 below 55000 Yeah, yesterday was fucking crazy. It's pretty insane just watching all the dominoes fall. Yeah. So let's start. The first domino to fall yesterday was some Russian official. Uh, I, I don't know or recall his official title off the top of my head, but he was on a video conference call explaining that Russia would be doing commodity trades, particularly with natural gas and other currencies, yuan, rubles, and he mentioned Bitcoin. He said, if people want to pay in Bitcoins, we'll accept Bitcoins. Uh, and that was pretty shocking to me. And I, I think we talked about this last week. Uh, in, Did he actually say the word Bitcoins or was it Bitcoin? I don't know. I'm just running with the, the Bloomberg title. There's been multiple translations, some with the plural, some with the proper plural and some with the incorrect plural that you just said. Yes. Uh, the, uh, the That is, the you got those mixed up. This is the proper plural, Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, the, but yeah, we've talked about it last you, week. In when regard. you started with Clark Moody, you didn't say Bitcoins, you said Bitcoin. You said 4,400 Bitcoin. I said Bitcoins. Check the tapes, freaks. Did the, the tapes get erased? Is that why we uh, cut off? <laughs> <laughs> Marty's like, damn it, I fucked it up. Yeah. Uh, back to the point. Sorry. Russia <laughs> coming out and saying they would accept Bitcoin uh, in, in exchange for natural gas. We touched on it last week in regards to Arthur Hayes' piece where, where he came out and said gold is probably the next reserve currency. And I, I was believing that too. And I think I've tweeted it, maybe Verda Ben about it, but um, the, I thought obviously Russia and China specifically have been amassing hordes of gold over the last two decades in what many have believed is a, uh, a long term plan to eventually transition to a gold back currency and away from the dollar. 
uh, he, he thought of Bitcoin getting into the mix uh, with with Russia or China uh, seemed to be a bit of a pipe dream because they've been had this long term plan around gold that many thought they were going to execute on. Uh, and the fact that they came out yesterday and said, "Oh, we would accept Bitcoin for natural gas," was was pretty telling and shocking to me personally. I thought Bitcoin. Uh, would would be on the radar much further down the road once the friction that arose from uh, these new gold back currencies that many think are going to pop up um, became so obvious. It was like, all right, Bitcoin's definitely a better product. It seems like things are accelerating faster than even I thought they would. Carr, can you pull up that quote again? I mean, I also agree that it's accelerating quicker. It's funny because Bitcoin, like, it was the it last feels one he too slow, and it and it feels it, a lot of times it'll feel to people like it's moving too slow, but then at other times you just feel like it's moving extremely fast, and you just kind of have to tone it all out and just just think long term. But listen to this quote because it was, I mean, he obviously said gold too. Keep going down, Carl. You had the quote before, and keep in mind it's a translation translated quote. When it comes to our friendly countries like China or Turkey which don't pressure us, then we have been offering them for a while to switch payments to national currencies like rubles and yuan, Zavalny said during the press conference. With Turkey, it can be lira and rubles. So there can be a variety of currencies, and that's a standard practice. If they want Bitcoin, we'll trade in Bitcoin. It's like nonchalant. Still massive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but down further down, Putin says... But they're basically like, they're like, we'll accept everything except USD and Euro. Yes. Right, like that's pretty much the the TLDR. Yes, and Putin said, "I believe that it has value, but I don't believe it can be used in the oil trade." And I would imagine that in, in, in the Bitcoin Magazine article goes on to say the current size of the Bitcoin market and its liquidity do pose questions as to whether the peer-to-peer currency could be used widely by countries in international trade at this moment. Again, as we said, in Clark, when we were reading Clark. Uh, Moody's dashboard. We're at like an eight hundred and sixty-five billion dollar market cap. Um, the the Bitcoin uh, the Bitcoin network probably isn't as liquid as many of these power brokers on the international stage would like it to be if they're doing these massive energy trade deals. But as the price goes up, more people adopt it. And that liquidity the network will grow into that liquidity. It'll be more suitable uh, as a settlement system for yeah, these I types mean, of trades. He can make it more suitable overnight if he just said we're switching to Bitcoin and then the price pumped. And if he already had Bitcoin, then all of a sudden there'd be even more liquidity that can move through there. But one of the interesting aspects of, because Bitcoiners have this unique incentive that if you own Bitcoin, you want to see the purchasing power increase. Um, is, there's an interesting aspect here, right? That it's about natural gas, international natural nat gas trade. Uh, and and Russian nat gas right now, um, I believe, is trading at a bit of a discount because of sanctions. I know the um, oil was for sure, but yeah. But either way, my point is, you know, you, Bitcoin has this unique possibility here that they actually don't even need a trade partner; they could just take that nat gas and mine with it. Yes, and so they have to if if you're doing international trade. For nat gas and Bitcoin, you basically should be crunching those numbers and seeing if you can make more money just mining it, and then you don't even have to trade it. Yes, and then it's a permissionless open network; no one can stop you. And at current price and difficulty, especially if the price continues to go up, I imagine it's significantly more profitable. 
to mine it right uh, and to sell it uh, i mean we no transport you don't have to deal with the counterparty at all yeah there's uh austin storms when we were together at great american mining he ran the numbers on the profitability of s9s if you were to take natural gas and use it to create electricity to mine with an s9 back tested the data going back to like 2016 and during the 2017 bull run if you were just taking natural gas and using it to mine bitcoin the the value of the bitcoin mined on uh in in that period during the bull run of 2017 fetched natural gas producers something like 60 to 80 dollars a metric cubic feet um which gas prices are, at that time are trading at like i believe between two and five dollars so you have like a 12 a 12 to 16x multiple on what the market is paying for Not natural even fucking gas close. via mining yeah which is insane um so yeah, regardless of the opportunity cost or the, the the weighing of whether or not Russia should mine Bitcoin with natural gas or sell natural gas to to Europe, even if it's at a discount, the the main thing to take out here the theme is is Bitcoin in converging with the energy sector is becoming more and more obvious by the day. I mean, we've been talking about this on this show in in the newsletter for. Literally years. I read the newsletter I wrote last night. I went back, and the earliest mention of uh, the the convergence of uh, the natural gas world and Bitcoin mining world that I had in the bent was like November of 2018. It's that one I had. Car. It was the first. If you're looking for it, it's the last yesterday's bent um, with the Exxon up there. But uh, I mean, Bitcoiners have known have been calling this. Um, this convergence of of the energy industry uh, and the mining industry for years. Uh, in 2018, I was writing about a thread from Bob McElroth, our friend Arjun's in there, um, and Jonathan. We lost Lodolf. Arjun. <laughs> um, R.I.P. Uh, talking about uh, upstream data and Bitcoin miners being the buyers of last resort for energy, which is certainly the case. Um, for natural gas would otherwise be flared. And over the years, it's, it's so, becoming more and more obvious. I mean, we had Russia. What's so, the bigger news, Marty? Is the bigger news is the bigger news Russia saying this or this guy saying it from Russia or Exxon expanding their mining operations? I think Russia. I mean, the internet, so like, we, are, we already know that oil and gas companies are are mining uh, the ones have been, who have been more vocal are your smaller players. But, I, I, and I said this on what Bitcoin did in the episode that Peter dropped today that I was on. It's funny, I said it like three or four weeks ago when we recorded. Uh, we'll know we're on a Bitcoin standard when international commodities trades are are settled in Bitcoin. And Russia making that statement yesterday even if it's like, yeah, we're not going to move all of our trade there, but we will accept Bitcoin as a step in that direction towards a Bitcoin standard. Um, with that being said, the Exxon news, um, which we'll jump into now, Exxon, I don't know if they announced it or somehow Bloomberg found out, but 
uh, Exxon does have Bitcoin mining operations on some of their well pads in the Bakken, and apparently they already knew that, right? Um, no, that no. wasn't the news. The news was that they were expanding it. Yeah, I was pretty sure, like a month or two ago, it they publicly released that they were doing a mining pilot program. They, I think they they announced that they were exploring it. I don't think people knew that they had stuff. Oh up and running and so my dad's a massive exxon mobile bag holder he's been for like 15 years so <laughs> i i remember the story because he got very excited about it they um yeah so they've they're not so Exxon. let's make things clear here let's explain what's going on in the bakken particularly in north dakota probably heard on this podcast many times flaring regulations are very strict and so producers in the Bakken particularly North Dakota have a very high incentive to take care of their flare issues Bitcoin mining provides an incredible outlet for that and Exxon is a producer in that region so they obviously have this problem too and they've contracted uh, Crusoe Energy uh, which is based out of Denver and they're a company that only does Bitcoin mining on flare gas their mission is to reduce flares uh, throughout the country and I imagine the world and and so they Exxon's tapped Crusoe on the shoulder to come in and reduce their flare on site Exxon most likely I mean we, we can only speculate but being close to the oil and gas industry and, and having had conversations with super majors the um, the uh, most likely that Exxon is not holding Bitcoin or has any exposure to to sats in any way they're they're simply using crusoe and bitcoin mining as a mechanism to reduce their flare uh it's not to say that they won't hold bitcoin on the balance sheet in the future or mine bitcoin they're getting themselves paid in the fiat, right as part of the contractor is part of the expectation yes um and but yeah so like for these super majors like exxon and others uh, it's very hard for them to put Bitcoin on the balance sheet, uh, they they have massive shareholders to to worry about, and they're they're kind of timid when it comes to making bold moves, like saying that they're mining Bitcoin themselves, and and then beyond that, holding it on their balance sheets. Exxon specifically has had activist shareholders take over and place ESG zealots on their board, so I imagine this is an ESG move by them like hey we're reducing our flare we've got our I, I believe one of their like greeny board members was quoted in this article um and, and so like i don't think this is exxon saying we're into bitcoin it's them saying we're reducing our flare and just by chance bitcoin is the best mechanism to do that where we are in the pocket and we'll probably expand these operations i believe they want to go to nigeria uh and three other countries you freeze again no can you see me? You're just, we're just going to leave all the people? Yeah, we're going to leave the people. You can tweet out and say, hey, we'll we'll post it. Why didn't you just delete a bunch of shit and then we go live? Are we live again? No, we're just recording. Business on air. All right, business on air. Oh, we're, we're recording right now. We're recording locally. 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 Well, let the, the record's clearly showing how I feel about this decision. <laughs> We can't leave them hanging. They're they're in the they're right now. They're waiting and refreshing, expecting us to come back on. All right. Should we? Can you just delete? say no? This is a producer move here. Producer is superseding us. He he has the technical knowledge. Car, you're fired. <laughs> Bring in a new producer. Freaks, 
who are listening to the live stream and have now had to transition to the recorded version. Apologies. Uh, we're, we need to get a new computer. I think we talked about it earlier. We're getting a new computer. It's going to not get here till June. So I'm going to have to get a filler computer between now and June, which is awesome. Um, what the hell were we talking about? Exxon mining Bitcoin. They're going into four other countries. Uh, Nigeria. What were the other three? Can you recall at the top of your head? Are you talking to me? Yeah, you. What are you protesting now? Because we're not live streaming. <laughs> Argentina. I was trying to. I was thinking about how if there was a way for us to do it, Guyana and Germany. Yeah. Um, so it's happening. Again, I don't think Exxon's going to hold Bitcoin on the balance sheet anytime soon. They do have activists. I mean, besides the Saudis, Exxon's the largest energy producer in the world, right? Yes. But did you see that today? Saudi Aramco had a missile strike. Yeah, do we know who shot the missile? I do not. Not yet. I haven't had time to dive into that. That's pretty weird, though. It's a chaos just extending itself. Anything that can go insane seems to be going insane. And like who, like Iran and Saudi don't like each other. So I guess people speculate it was Iran. Uh, Yemen and Saudi Arabia are embroiled in. Saudi Arabia is essentially massacring the country of Yemen. Well, right my now. guess is the missile came from Yemen. Yeah. The question is, he launched it. Yeah. Um, yeah, people don't talk about what's going on in Yemen. You know, a lot of Ukraine. No one talks about it. A lot of Ukraine talk, but uh, there's been you know, literally hundreds of thousands of deaths in Yemen, funded by the United States, war machine, executed by Saudi Arabia. The saddest part is like 70% of the deaths are children, um, which is yeah, it's really fucked up. It's extremely fucked up. Um, so be aware, freaks. There's a massive war in Yemen, and Yemen is essentially under siege right now by Saudi Arabia, backed by the United it States. It has been that way for years. Yeah. Um, so At least it feels like years. I think it's been a couple of years. It's been years. Yeah. It's been a few years, I think. Yeah. Um, like, was it Obama was doing strikes and then Trump was, and now Biden is still under Biden. So it's been a long time. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Um, yep. It's a shame. It's a, it's a goddamn shame. Uh, the back to Bitcoin mining and natural gas, though. Uh, this I'm Exxon news seems like absolutely massive to me. Yeah. Um, the Russian stuff is going down the mandibles playbook. Uh, but. The Exxon, the, the Exxon doing this in a big way, and like I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we kind of, we knew they were doing it in America, but it was very much a test case. If they start doing this at scale, um, are are we ready for a situation? And of course, at first, it seems like they're outsourcing the actual mining functions, um, but Exxon loves making money, right? And if they can cut out. If they can cut out that that third party that is doing the actual mining, um, they stand to make a lot more money, especially if they start holding it on their balance sheet. So I wonder how far away we are from a world where Exxon is one of the largest Bitcoin miners in the world. Doesn't feel like we're that far off. Again, you know, I'd I'd be shocked if they can get through the the tape that that comes with uh being that big of a company i don't know like i said like uh 
I mean, I'm sure they, they definitely have some, you know, ESG cuckery that's going on over there just because they're so large and they want access to all these big funds. But like I said, my dad is, you know, a big Exxon guy. Uh, and I've read their shareholder agreements in the past, like their shareholder uh, reports. I, I know I famously said that I, I don't like reading shareholder yeah. reports, but I read Cathedra. One of the ones I read was Exxon. And I remember, uh, you know, it was like a 40 page report and they had a renewable energy section and it was like three sentences. And it was just, we make the oil for the lubricant of the wind turbines. <laughs> that was like their <laughs> renewable energy strategy. So I have a feeling that, you know, they're probably still, you know, a, a bit more anti-ESG than you give them credit for. Do we want Exxon being one of the largest miners in the world? No, <laughs> I, I don't think so. But I mean, look, Bitcoin's for enemies. It's not like we have a decision. Yeah. Well, it's that's no, what I worry about. If they have like an activist ESG board and they do become one of the largest miners, like best case scenario is that they, there's so much red tape at the top of the company that they can't make it happen. Uh, and they're forced to outsource it to people. Crusoe does have a bit of an ESG tilt to it too. Um, yeah, that's the other thing. Like you said, Bitcoin's for enemies. Uh, it is inevitable. It is a, the nature of this permissionless system. If Exxon wants to mine at scale and they want to try to, they can. There's, they're going to be able to go for it. It's permissionless. There's nobody to stop them. Um, so that we just have to hope that there's enough principled miners out there. I like to think of myself as one of them. Yourself as one of them. Uh, people mining at home. People mining on smaller scales that there's enough hash rate between those players to um, keep the Exxons and people who will be pressured to cater to ESG at bay. Um, well, I mean, there's like, if you, if you want to go beyond Exxon, I mean, what, like how long is it until 60% of the hash is controlled by large publicly traded companies? Trying to think, man. I mean, how much does Marathon? We have? might already be there, Riot. right? <laughs> yeah, might might be. I don't know, sixty percent, but a material amount. No, definitely. we're not. But we're getting we're getting close. It's probably if I was just going to do a straight up gut call, we're at like thirty five or something. Yeah, yeah. Cathedra. I mean, we're not at the scale of Riot. Yeah, I would. I said large, <laughs> large. <laughs> Ouch! Hey, company. we're on our way, Matt. Okay. We're on our way. <laughs> the, uh, I, know, but it's like, I, I love you guys, but it's a humble, you know, 40 million cap company. In a good week. We had a good week. Um, yeah, because you had what's-his-face pumping your bags. Ha! <laughs> Mike Alfred talking yeah. about it. Um, the uh, car pull-up, the ESG Larry Fink tweet. While we're on the topic of ESG and it potentially co-opting the Bitcoin mining space, I think it's important to pull up this video of Larry Fink. It's a very short clip, 10 seconds, I believe, uh, speaking with that snake, Aaron Sorkin, at some event, deal book, uh, some deal book event at New York Times. And uh, this is what ESG is. Larry Fink is the father of ESG. BlackRock created the whole investment strategy. And this is what they're trying to do with ESG. I'll let, I'll let Larry take it away and explain it for himself. Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're going to, we're asking companies. 
you have to force behaviors. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. So BlackRock, via their ESG mandates, want to, to force behaviors on particular players and whole industries throughout the world. And so this is not, and again, like I said in the tweet below, the one I sent out this morning, like people who screech like, oh, ESG is just a, a free market reaction to the challenges that we face today. And then I want to make you people aware who believe this, that you are mindless. Like these, This is not a free market action. Like BlackRock has direct access to the Fed. The Fed tapped BlackRock on the shoulder during the COVID bailout. It's the opposite of free market. Yeah. It's a, it's, it restricts free markets. Yes, it is. It is communism. They're literally they're trying to force behaviors on the markets. They're trying to centrally plan via like via the disguise of capital allocation, but it's really extortion. <laughs> they're trying to force behaviors on the market, which is pure communism. And again, that's that's what worries me about if he has, if excuse me Exxon ever became like a mass miner, they have ESG activists who would like to force particular behaviors on the markets and Bitcoin uh, being being one of those markets. They could try to force particular. Well, we already uh, saw what happened when a very large company, I think the most valuable company at the time in the world, uh, started a Bitcoin strategy and ESG activists uh, came after them, and that was Elon Musk and Tesla. Yes, and he quickly had to bad mouth. And Ex- mouth Exxon mining. was formerly the most valuable company in the world too. At yeah. one point, is Apple not the most valuable, or Amazon, Google? I don't know. Tesla's who's more valuable. Now. Tesla's no, they bad. were at one point. They were. Mm-hmm. It, it was during the pump. Tesla was pumping, and then like remember, he was. It was about the most valuable company in the world, and most of his. Most of his net worth is in Tesla stock, so he was also the richest man in the world for a little bit. Yeah, and then he had to like he had options that were expiring, so he had to sell them and like pretend like LARP, like he was doing it on purpose to pay taxes to help out the country. So Car pulled it up. It's Apple, Microsoft, Saudi Aramco, which is the Saudis basically state-owned oil company that went public, and then Google. I wonder if they're mining Bitcoin yet. Google or Saudi. Not not Google. Google's definitely not mining Bitcoin yet. I mean, I there. Uh, I could say this because their representatives were in public Telegram chat rooms. There, there have been Saudi Aramco representatives in public Bitcoin oil and gas mining chat rooms. So they're definitely yeah exploring it. Yeah, you sure, it's not a scammer. Uh, pretty sure. I can, if I can a say, Saudi Aramco, uh, I can say with a high degree of confidence, messages you to send Bitcoin and it'll send you two Bitcoin back. Don't, uh, <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, I, I can, I can confirm that this person is legitimate, having had a conversation outside of Telegram. There we go. Um, Still can't believe we don't have the live stream up. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're visibly distraught about it. There's nothing we can do. We got technical difficulties. This is TFTC. The freaks are probably freaking out right now. They're like, where are they? What's going on? Did they get hit by a missile strike? It's Friday afternoon. Go have fun. 
Go enjoy your weekend. Don't, don't don't disparage our ride or die freaks who join us for the live shows. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, freaks. Uh, Most of them probably have it on in the background while they're working, <laughs> while they're quote unquote working. Yeah. Well, you're just going to get this a couple hours delayed. I'm sorry, freaks. Hopefully you're on the West Coast. We're in Hawaii. So yeah, I mean, yesterday, and then on top what of that. What time is it in Hawaii? What is Hawaii is well, like six hours, hours earlier than Texas? No, it's not 12. It's like six. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably like Clearly. 6 a.m. or 8 a.m. 9 a.m. It's 9 a.m. in Hawaii. Aloha, freaks. Thank you, Carl. looked it up. <laughs> Aloha, freaks. Shakabra. Um, continuing Bitcoin natural gas news yesterday, Cynthia Lummis came out. Senator Lummis, Senator Lummis, excuse me, <laughs> came out uh, with a tweet like highlighting that there's a lot of oil producers in the state of Wyoming that are reducing their flair with Bitcoin mining operations. And she announced a bipartisan, is it a bill or is it uh, just guidance uh, asking for sensible policy in regards to Bitcoin, particularly mining and, and how it um benefits and can benefit uh, energy efficiency throughout the country. So triple whammy. Russia's like, yeah, we'll accept Bitcoin for natural gas. Exxon's like, yeah, we're, we're mining Bitcoin on our well pads or uh, we're reducing flare with via Bitcoin mining on our well pads. And we plan to take that to other countries across the world. Cynthia Lamas is pumping flare mining in the state of Wyoming. And the again, yesterday just felt like one of those days where it was like, holy shit, like I didn't expect all this to happen in one day. Um, it's happening much faster. The Russian news to me, I mean, Exxon is pretty ma is definitely massive. You have a super major publicly talking about mining Bitcoin, and that'll incite a FOMO from the rest of the industry. Oil and gas is very uh, FOMO driven in a lot of regards. Um, so that's a, a strong social signal from the biggest dog in the fucking industry. Uh, but the Russian news to me is, is that was honestly shocking hearing them say that they would accept. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I think I, I, I was, I don't know. I was convinced that they were going to like really but push. They, still, they literally said everything else. And then they said Bitcoin. Yeah. So right. like, it was, was it really that shocking? I mean, we know, we know Putin is, I've, I've been speculating We've both been speculating that Putin has his own Bitcoin stash forever, for however long. Like the dude's not an idiot. Like he no. he's well understands the value prop of Bitcoin. Well, that's well, yeah, he does, and which makes you believe, like, if he does understand it, he shouldn't want it. If he wants to maintain the tight grip that he has on his country, he shouldn't want Bitcoin to proliferate amongst his citizens. Like, I mean, this has always been the this has always been the interesting thing about Bitcoin, right? Is because it's great for dictators and it's great for the people they oppress. Yes. Um, and ultimately, if you're a sanctioned country, specifically an energy-rich sanctioned country, Bitcoin is a massive opportunity for you. Um, we already saw this with Venezuela. We already saw this with North Korea. We already saw this with Iran. Like, if you're a sanctioned country and you have any kind of energy reserves, Bitcoin is a massively valuable tool to you. Um, so I'm really not that surprised. It's like basically the statement, like I said, could just be summed up to 
we're not accepting euros or dollars anymore. Like you can pass whatever the fuck you want to pass in, as long as it's not euros or dollars. Yeah, that's a good point. And now I'm thinking back to like Venezuela. Venezuela leaned into it a little bit too. Like we're, we'll accept Bitcoin. super hard. Yeah, I mean they went out and, and like and what they still tried to trample on their people using it. I mean not successfully, but like they were stealing ASICs and using them themselves. Yes, still are to this day. Yeah, I, I'm, the reason I use past tense is because they stole a lot in the beginning. Yes, on grid helped help them do that. A lot of them are off grid though, and they still figured it out. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, Bitcoin is on the main stage in all fat. Like, so that's like, think of, think of like the U.S. State Department yesterday. You have Russia coming out in the morning <laughs> saying, we'll accept Bitcoin for natural gas trades. And you have Exxon in the afternoon saying, reminding Bitcoin, like what kind of predicament does that put like the U.S. government in where it's like, oh, we don't want them using Bitcoin, but it's helping one of our largest companies. Like, that's a, uh, that's a bit of a, a It's great that they both came out on the same day. Yeah, exactly. Like in that regard. I it, I did think it was funny that like all the gold bugs were reporting that Russia said they were taking payments in gold, all the bitcoin bugs reported that they were taking it in bitcoin and then really it was we are taking everything except US dollars <laughs> and euros. Yeah. Um not a good spot to be in. America Maybe we'll transition to that. How weak we look right now. Joe Biden came out yesterday and said, yeah, like nonchalantly, we're going to have food shortages throughout the country. Expect it. It's a consequence of the sanctions. It's like, what? I was up late. I, mean, I wouldn't even say it wasn't really nonchalant because he just like stuttered fucking through it. But no, well, that, that wasn't because he, he was clip. nervous because he was <laughs> losing his mind. Yeah, car, pull up the clip. But no, nah, I mean, it wasn't really. I I wouldn't say it was nonchalant just because <laughs> just because it was such a struggle to get it out. Well, I don't think that was because he was nervous. I think it's because he can't think. I feel like I I obviously shouldn't be laughing on the conversation of food shortages. That's very real and scary as fuck. Um, but it's important to laugh in these kind of situations. Otherwise, we're just gonna spend all of our sats on therapy. Yeah, no, you get you gotta laugh at the absurdity of the situation. It's dire. It's scary, but it is comical to a degree. How okay, I want to... Oh, sorry. How bad we fucked it up. Are we going to play it? Yeah. Nothing. Uh, wait, before we play it... Uh, before we... Yeah, uh, so we're about to play this binding clip. I want the freaks to let us know after the rip goes live uh, if they think it's a nonchalant statement or not. <laughs> Nothing more to report. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did re re so talk about food shortages. And uh, and it's going to be real. The, the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. So obviously we don't have the full yeah, I guess context. That was pretty nonchalant. <laughs> well, we don't have the full context. <laughs> so I don't like what I don't know is if he was asked a specific question about food shortages by a reporter. But if he wasn't, he was just like, yeah, food shortages they are on the way. Like, this is a consequence That's of the sanctions. Bad, man. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, nah, I was on the phone last night. That's why the bank got out at 2 a.m. I had a buddy call me. He's like, Marty, like, is the shit real? Like, how bad is it? I was like, it's pretty bad. I mean, Russia produces, I think, something like 60% of the ammonium nitrate that the world consumes. And ammonium nitrate is a 
key ingredient to fertilizer, fertilizer which you need to grow crops, which people eat as food. Uh, I had a call with Texas Slim yesterday preparing for the Beef Initiative Conference in Kerrville here in Texas next month, April 24th. If you're in Texas, you want to go to that, highly recommend it. I'll be there. Um, but he was telling me on the phone that he's been obviously going on the road, talking to a lot of ranchers and other people in the food industry here in Texas and elsewhere throughout the country. And a lot of the suppliers are saying like, even like even the wheat that we are going to be able to grow, it's already been bought by like PepsiCo, Kellogg, um, fucking all, Pepsi. Yeah. All these companies. Um, so like even I read a ridiculous thread on Kellogg the other day. Did you read that thread? I read no. it like a month and a half ago, two months ago or whatever. No, what was it? I mean, like, I don't know if it was factually correct or not, but it was, it was like about, I guess, John Kellogg or whatever the fuck his name was who invented Kellogg and he like invented it to, uh, reduce sex. <laughs> He didn't like the sex drive. He was a super religious person and didn't think people should be having sex. So interesting. <laughs> like I said, did not fact check this <laughs> at all. But it was like 20, it was 20 tweets in a thread. And now every time I hear Kellogg, that is all I can fucking think of. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's talk about actionable things, right? Freak should have a freezer. It should be filled with with meat. Um, you should have, you know, at least some kind of intermediary supplies of water. In a chaos situation, you might need water, um, and you need some kind of backup power for that freezer. You don't want you don't want the power to go out, and you to, to lose all that that meat that's in the freezer. So another another thing um, with that too, whether that's a generator or a solar panel or something like that, you, you need to make sure you have backup power. And just in case you don't have backup power, this is actually a tip I remember from our good friend Rodolfo, who gave it out on Twitter years ago. Uh, make sure that your freezer is like packed to the gills at all times if possible. Yeah. Because uh, if everything's frozen, it'll, it'll take much longer to thaw if it's fully packed. If the power it keeps everything up. else cold together, they all act as like ice to each other, right? The yeah. surface area of, of air isn't there. Yes. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> and like your freezer, like if you have a basement, like keep the freezer in the basement, right? Like you got to think of these things. Yeah. Maybe think about, Getting some chickens in your backyard, honey. Please. You get chickens yet? I was at your house like a week and a half ago, and you hadn't had them yet. My wife, my wife doesn't want the chickens. She thinks that she'll be stuck picking up their shit, and <laughs> she probably will be. And honey, yeah, we're we're getting chickens. Settled. <laughs> Executive. <laughs> but is she wrong? Is she wrong, Marty? <laughs> I will. I'll pick up some chicken shit. I'll definitely yeah, okay. be doing it. Um, when when I can. Live stream from the chicken coop. Yes. We're, we're starting to get tweets of people asking for the live stream. I'm sorry, freaks. This we're is gonna, all, this is like, you, we this just, is car, rug, you the, just rug pulled him. You no, this is Carl's car decision. Cars, him. cars rug pulling the freaks, not me. He's, right. he's wow. the producer. I don't know. Let the record show. <laughs> Marty was involved there. <laughs> we'll go down again. Yeah, we'll just keep going down. We don't want to keep going down. Um, Yeah. God, yeah, it is. There's not like we've again central planning on a global scale has put humanity in a pretty precarious situation. Things are good now, um, but as we head into the summer, when you have peak demand for energy and food, um, 
I don't, I don't want to sound like a doomer or anything, but like Matt said last week, land, bullets, Bitcoin, food, lock it down. Um, go shake your neighbor's hand. Go shake your rancher's Guns, hand. Guns, land, and Bitcoin. Yes. Um, and meat and water and all this other shit. Yeah. But it's three, three words are a better meme. Yeah. I mean, when the president's coming out and just, yeah, we're going to have food shortages. It's a consequence of sanctions. Not a good sign. Not, not a great sign. I do think though, that in practice, like what, what we will, will see is that like poor people will be priced out of food, at least in the beginning. Yes. Like if you have, if you have decent amount of disposable income, you'll still be able to get food. Yeah. Um, car. I'm actually going to say my expectation, but don't, don't, don't bank on that. You should still have, you know, even in good times, you should always just have, you know, backup plans. Uh, it's already happening, dude. This is, it's so I, said, I, I, I've talked about it, um, on the podcast and described the video, but I found it on Twitter last night when I was talking to my friend late into the night. I just put it in our telegram chat. Uh, it's, it's fucking scary, dude. Is that a video? Yeah. Um, are we playing the video? Yeah, let's play the video. I think. Like, and this is just like one anecdote from a few weeks ago. Imagine. Eat, Joe. Joe, I didn't eat today, Joe. You know why, Joe? You want to know why? The gas, Joe. I got a car. I got a car, Joe. Look at me, Joe. Joe, my feet is on land. My feet is on land. I can run into a op. I can run into a landmine. This is it's all on you, Joe. I hope you're paying for my funeral, Joe. Now I gotta walk these streets because the gas price is too high. Why are you doing us like this, Joe? Car, and I've got one more actually that I want to play. It's just like so that was in LA. And this one is in New York at a bodega. Um, similar situation. Somebody freaking out because the price of a BLT went up. You heard me. Like, come on, bro. That shit don't make no sense. Yeah, so you're saying, I mean, two anecdotes, two data points, but people getting desperate because gas prices, food prices going up. It's not. I will say, I will say that, uh, before I left New York, I was talking to, I have a buddy who has, uh, like a small diner and his clientele is working class people. And he was seeing, I mean, we've been talking about food, food prices going up for a a long time on the show. Right. And this was maybe, you know, nine months ago. And he was talking about, it's an interesting phenomenon. Like if you're, if you, if you have rich clientele in your restaurant, like if you go out to a nice restaurant, right. And your entree, instead of costing $50 costs $65 or whatever, most of your rich clientele will just, they will just go with it, right? They'll just pay it. Their assets are going up. Their equities are going up. They have all these different investments that go up with inflation. But if you are have a have a working class clientele, if you have a uh, 
like a, all your all your prices are cheaper. You raise eggs by like forty cents, fifty cents, and people just start losing their losing their shit, right? And it all goes back onto that small business owner. And we've been talking about this a lot. Like that small business owner already got absolutely fucked by the COVID policies. They were forced to shut down and everything. And now when they're reopening and trying to salvage what they have, um, they're getting squeezed on on the food supply and how much that how much those ingredients cost them. And their clients are blaming them rather than blaming the root cause. Yeah. And this is why it's completely irresponsible for people like Elizabeth Warren to go out there and blame greedy capitalists for raising prices. It's when, Kroger's fault. Yeah. It's these people are these people, the politicians like the Elizabeth Warrens, Joe Biden coming out and saying it's a it's a product of sanctions. It's a sad like basically saying we all need to make the sacrifice for to be virtuous. It's fucked up. Like these people have put us in this situation and now they're trying to blame capitalist Russia for like rising prices. Well, I think they're mostly trying to blame Russia, right? I think Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren is on a she's just on her own playing field, right? Like she just Yeah. She's a completely right? like I don't I don't I feel like you don't hear many politicians villainizing capitalism over it. No, it, but I mean, maybe. No, I've seen a few tweets this week, like everybody. So that was another that was another thing that went out this week. I think Bloomberg wrote, wrote a story on it. There was a survey that went throughout the oil and gas industry saying, all right, what is uh, what is the main driver of you guys not drilling new wells? And their main response, the number one, the overwhelming response was uh, capital providers really wanting us to be as efficient as possible. Um, like and be stingy with our capital allocation and basically their investors behind new oil and gas companies. And people took that right. as like, oh, they're greedy capitalists, but not understanding the context and the nuance of the shale revolution, which was enabled by easy money uh, and Fed policy. But there was a, a like a historic and uh, very well-known misallocation of capital if you're in the industry like that, that and so that's why people responded that way it's like after the shell shale boom in the early 2000s the industry is trying to and then subsequent crash yeah um so there was like a massive misallocation of capital a lot of people got blown the fuck out and so that's very high on the mind of the oil and gas industry it's like hey we don't want to repeat the mistakes of of the shale boom and presumably a lot of people got blown the fuck out in March of last year, right? Oh yeah, yeah in March was, of two years ago, yeah, March twenty twenty. Yeah, it was yeah. a crazy amount. When we were of consolidation. negative. Yeah, I mean, there's been a crazy <laughs> amount of consolidation um, over the last two years. I think Occidental just bought Anadarko. Um, there's, there's a lot and then of, you have an insane amount of government regulation. Obviously, I think that was probably in response to what Pisaki or whatever Biden's press secretary saying. Is she the press secretary? What is her title? Yeah, she's press PR secretary. person. Yeah, uh, she's she was like she was like. There's plenty of it's it's the it's the company's fault for not drilling wells. It's not the government holding it up or something to that effect. Right? Yeah, because she said like nine thousand permits are currently uh, oil and gas operators holding nine thousand permits that they could drill. But again, not understanding the nuance of the industry. Who like some of those uh, wells have been drilled, not completed. Not all 9,000 
permits are going to be on land that actually has oil under it. Like there's a risk. Like there, not every permit you get actually has the resources under the ground. It's a, you have to send in geologists and do a lot of due diligence. There is risk in that. You, you don't just poke holes in the ground with 100% confidence. You don't get permits with 100% confidence that there's going to be oil under the ground. I just recorded earlier this week, if you freaks want to, haven't listened to it yet, Mike Umbro, who is an oil producer in California, he came on the show and described all the intricacies of uh, the oil and gas industry and policy around it. And we talked about the 9,000 permits and how Jen Psaki is extremely irresponsible for framing <laughs> framing things in the, the way she did. And again, I really want to stress that it, it is pretty sickening and disgusting that politicians, whether it be Jen, uh, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, others, trying to either demonize the oil and gas industry or, or throw blame on Russia alone for these problems, which uh, Russia, they're certainly contributing to it. Uh, not the oil and gas companies, Russia in the current situation is certainly contributing to accelerated inflation, but inflation was here way before Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, and they're trying to use it as a scapegoat and we should not let them off the hook. They're again, central, Planning they're policies. Get off the hook, no, they're not. No, we're not going to let them off the hook. <laughs> they better not get off the hook, man. This is... <sighs> Marty, I wonder how many years until you stop being naive about those kind of things. <laughs> I mean, they're totally going to get off the hook. God damn it. I really don't want them to. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get on to some more Bitcoin stuff. But The freaks won't let them off the hook, but everyone else will. <laughs> I don't know, man. When people go hungry, you think? Do you think there? Do you think most of the country? Really oh, I mean, thinks, I think at that point. I mean, at that point, you're not at blame anymore. I mean, I think then once you have people that are like fully in desperation mode, they'll do anything, and then that's just not even. There's no discourse at that point. That's just every man for himself. God, I really don't want it to get there. Well, the way we fix this is getting away from these fucking politicians, whether most people realize it or not. That is the solution to this. This problem is not letting these kleptocratic, incompetent, potentially evil people control these things. Decentralize, distribute. Mar Marty's so reserved today. <laughs> Only potentially evil. Uh, uh, all right. HubSpot data leak impacted 30 cryptocurrency Oof. companies, including NYDIG, Swan, and BlockFi. This is so bad. This was an internal leak, right? They had some bad actors. It was an employee who had God mode access, which shouldn't exist in the first place. No. But this is a perfect example. Look, I mean, so we talked last week about Unchained's compromise. Uh, this is similar to Unchained. Uh, Unchained was using a different provider active, called Active Campaign. In Unchained situation, it was a targeted attack just against Unchained. In this case, uh, it, either it was an employee who was in on it, or someone compromised an employee's account and used that account, and then targeted thirty so-called cryptocurrency companies. Um, HubSpot didn't tell us who the companies are. 
we have some of the companies have disclosed it as they fucking should. Uh, but I think there's about there was only about ten in total that did it. As Marty said, Nidig, Swan, um, BlockFi. Blockfi. Uh, I think Pantera was one. Um, Nifty Gateway, which sells NFTs. Um, so anyway, there was a bunch. Most of them haven't disclosed. Uh, in most cases, it's email addresses, phone numbers, usernames, whether or not you have an account. Uh, I have a feeling some of them that did disclose what got taken didn't disclose the full extent. Uh, mm. There was a guy, I have a link to a thread of someone who is now working he's in Bitcoin. But he's, he was a super user of HubSpot. He thinks IP addresses were probably also compromised, which as we've said in the past, freaks gives a rough location to a non-sophisticated attacker and an exact location to a sophisticated attacker and can be used to connect your browsing history across the internet, uh, which is why VPNs are important or Tor. Um, so yeah, this is really, this is, this is very disheartening to see. I'm hoping that most of the companies have learned a lesson here, which is trusted third parties are security holes and these companies are trusted third parties and then they're relying on another trusted third party to handle their contact information with their, with their users. Um, so it's trusted third parties squared. And so users should try and reduce the amount of information they provide trusted third parties, but trusted third parties should also reduce the amount of information they provide trusted third parties. And unfortunately, I just don't think like this is exactly the type of pain we will see before, uh, these policies improve and get hardened. Basically people need to get burned. And then one last thing I'll just add here is just a reminder, even if a leak only has an email address or something like that, that can then be combined with other leaks that happen that might be completely not related to Bitcoin. So if we, I use Ticketmaster as an example, last week, if you have Ticketmaster gets compromised, Ticketmaster has your email, your name, your phone number, and your home address and this gets leaked and any of those items are in that leak, then they can combine it and then get your home address, right? So a malicious actor can. So then what is what happens here? It puts, puts users at risk of persecution, theft, identity theft, fraud. Um, not great. Hate to see it. Not ideal. Not ideal in the least bit. Yeah, I mean, this forces companies to bring some of this stuff internally. Just keep all they, that. Everything should be in-house. Keep that. If you're a Bitcoin company, if you're a Bitcoin founder listening to this, at a foundational level, at a foundational level of your fucking company should be to do as much as practically impossible in-house and collect as little as practically possible in terms of information on your users, period. And that information, you have to treat that as fucking... Like it's Bitcoin, like you're custodying Bitcoin. You know, I was going to say digital gold, but like fucking Bitcoin. And you got to encrypt it, split it up, self-host it, go the whole fucking nine yards because ultimately there's a lot at stake here for your users and, and the reputation of your company and your bottom line long-term. So if you actually do care about your company, foundational level, you should be thinking about this shit. It shouldn't be an afterthought. It shouldn't be like, oh, which marketing company do we bolt on top yeah yeah it's uh you gotta bring as much in-house as possible 
It just keep that stuff on internal servers that you control. It's and again, this is like something Bitcoiners have talked about for years now. Like in well, Zabo had his Zabo's trusted third parties or security holes was pre Bitcoin. Pre Bitcoin, but like even but the Bitcoin and Bitcoin services being as valuable as they are and important as they are, it is going to force good security practices on companies because they they have a much higher yeah. incentive to secure data and all that stuff. I mean, who knows? This could have been a state level attack for all we know. Yeah. Uh it could have also just it could have been a malicious hacker gang or something like that. Um we don't know, but but you got to keep this stuff in threat model. The reason I brought up Zabo is because it's like uh or Zabo is because Bitcoiners have been talking about it since before Bitcoin existed, which yes. is an interesting interesting shout little out, fact. Shout out to Nick. He has not been on Twitter for well over a year now. I suppose he's on Gab. Boss. Shout out to Andrew Torba. Andrew, if you're listening, you need to get you back on I mean, the podcast. Gab, Gab doesn't solve anything. Um, Try posting porn on Gab and tell me about free speech. Hey, you, what it does solve is it gives people who can't say certain stuff on Twitter. You can put porn on Twitter. You can't put it on Gab. <laughs> You can talk about Pizzagate on Gab. You can't talk about it on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, we just need like real distributed <laughs> censorship resistant options. I Noster looks really cool. Uh, yeah. Actually, the noted guys recorded right before we hopped in here. And that was actually the discussion we had right before I hopped in here was Noster. Uh, Bitstein was talking about it, saying it is actually pretty novel um, and exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. Shout out to the guys behind that. Fiat Chaff and others. Yeah, it, it, he, oh yeah, the way Bet's team was describing it as like really good primitives that actually make it seem like it, it get the feeling that you're using Twitter for the first time again or something. Yeah, like I that. mean Fiat Jeff has one of the best brains in the in the industry as far as I'm concerned. He's a super practical dude. He thinks through things really well. Yes, doesn't overthink it, and everything is very practical and like near term. It's not like wishy washy dream shit. That like only works in like theoretical scenarios. Yeah, he's not a big fan of using Lightning Network for chat apps. Yeah, I still don't understand Lightning Network for chat apps, but I'm you know maybe I'm wrong, and I'll, I'll be I'll be happily disproven on that. Yes, we shall see. Uh, moving on, I love Matrix. I'm fucking obsessed with Matrix. I like the one, one. The only reason I haven't tried Noster is because I'm just trying to cut out social media. Period. Um, but I really like the idea of group chats and I fucking think that matrix checks pretty much every box. Yeah. I'm, I'm very impressed. I like matrix as well. Mobile client. Like I, the, the, the thing that gets me is like when you have to like re-encrypt and create. Uh, does the iPhone client not work well? It does, but like the UI could be a little better, a little bit more intuitive, yeah. but yeah, My no, when Android you have to, card is fantastic. When you have to reconnect with an individual, and like they're in a group chat and you can't see their messages and it's like this isn't encrypted you have to create like a new connection and it throws me off but if you want true end encryption you got to work hard for it i guess the um next topic we have is thailand announces a bitcoin payments band the medium that of photo payment. they use is pretty funny yeah you cannot use this so this is the equivalent of united states sec in thailand came out and said you can't I could see this happening in America. 
You really can't, can you? It's too late. So, so Thailand. There's been 13 years of people said. There's been 13 years of people setting Bitcoin transactions. Okay, so they said that you can still use as an investment. Okay, they just don't want businesses accepting Bitcoin for goods and services. They obviously cannot enforce it at a mom and pop shop. This is one of the reasons why BTC Pay Server and Sat Sale and Cypherpunk Pay and all of these sovereign merchant processing open source solutions are so important. Um, because they, even in Thailand, under this rule, they can't stop a mom and pop from from doing it on at least on a small scale, right? But they can a hundred percent, you know, tell oh, the open nodes and the bit pays and you know the payment processors that you can't accept Bitcoin um, in a, in a payments, in a payment situation. And this is, or like you can, but it has to be through a regulated service. Like you can't do it through a non-regulated service. Like that is not off the chopping block yet. Like that is definitely something that could happen. I mean, we talk about, about private Bitcoin usage bans or self custody bans. Um, this is more palpable than that. Palatable. I don't think they'll ever be able to do it in the United States. I'm becoming more like if Pal- what is palpable? Yeah, palatable? Palatable? Palatable. Like pal- palatable. You have a palate. Yeah. Palpable it's- is like you can feel it, right? Yes. Palpable. We're not hmm. good with words. I'm not good with words, at least. Actually, yeah, it was a funny. Um, I, th- I think palpable could work here too, right? Capable no. of being. Yeah, it could. Or palpable, palatable, palpable. Um, yeah, palpable. Thank you. Thank you, Carr, for looking that up for us. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen in America, but it could. It could. I mean, they could certainly try, but it looked terrible. But the point I wanted to make is like normalize BTC pay server usage. Like if it ever comes to America, I'm not shutting out our BTC pay server. They can come arrest me. Um, we'll still use it. And it'll be cool. Already they already have arrested you for something else at that point. If they do make it illegal and we just keep it, <laughs> we keep it, we just, that, that would be the most fire shout out week of all time. If they make, uh, make accepting and using Bitcoin as a medium of exchange, they shut down all those payment processors. We still have our BTC pay server up and running. We just say, we're not, we're not stopping. I would love to see the shout outs that week. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I agree with you that the cat's out of the bag, but. I could see some kind of twist on it that like you have to pay from a, a regulated provider or something. Yeah, but then you just go, uh, I'm a business. Like, I don't care if you pay through a regulated provider and I'm not going to snitch on you. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a huge cash underground economy. I, I, I've talked to, we've talked about this in the past. I mean, I like one of the main things that we have going for us in comparison to all this KYC bullshit that's happening is this idea of a Bitcoin circular economy where you're not buying, you're not buying Bitcoin, you're earning it and you're not selling Bitcoin, you're spending it. And, you know, the, the corollary to that is, you know, the thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of businesses located uh, around the country and around the world that accept cash and don't report all their cash. Right. Like that is, there's a direct incentive for them, um, which is more money in their pocket. Well, with all this being said, we report our income to the IRS. They just don't know where the address is that the Bitcoin's held in, which I think is... I mean, yeah, I mean, 100%. Yeah. I'm just saying that there's a corollary here 
to existing businesses that don't. I, I mean, I think it's easier if if you're a cash business than Bitcoin. Bitcoin, oh, you leave a lot. Like certainly, cash um, is dying. We're trying to kill cash. My point is, is that businesses are willing to. Small businesses are willing to break certain rules if they don't feel that they are just. That's yeah, my point. Agreed. And I, and I, I feel for the small businesses, and I, I agree with them. And a lot of these taxes are not just. Do you want to pay taxes to go bomb Yemen, and kill children? I don't. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. That's where their tax dollars are going, freaks. You want to be paying contractors? That just jack up the price on the government because they know they're going to pay the bill. That's where your tax dollars take are going. so much fucking money for me. <laughs> this is like the worst season of the year. Yeah. It's all fucked. Speaking of shout outs, people can purchase them via our BTC pay server at tftc.io slash contribute. And we have a couple this week. I'm going to shout out to all the Aussie freaks heading to Autumn Bitcoin Bush Bash. I always forget like the seasons are. I'm like autumn. Like, it's actually, you... they're already there now because yeah. we're delayed today. Oh, my bad. No, it's this weekend. This weekend down in Victoria. Packed agenda over the two days with everything from homesteading to lightning, from how to build your digital fortress to practical workshops on minor setups, punching seed words into steel washers and help with what up would bleh, help with whatever you're stuck on. Big thanks to Australia's first registered Bitcoin charity, the Bitcoin Moon Fund, for covering costs and enabling us to keep this registration free and cost-free. For all the freaks still packing, don't forget to bring something to sell for sats at the bash. There'll be some interesting stuff to buy and sats to be stacked. For all the freaks listening, going, what the fuck? Why didn't I know about this? Head on over to bitcoinbushbash.info or you're in a far or if you're in a far flung a far flung place <laughs> and be like Bitcoin Beach Retreat in the UK and create your own local events. As always, focus on the signal, ignore the noise and the haters from Bitcoin FTW. I love our I love our Australian our Australian Bitcoiners. Um I hope that they're doing all right and over there. Well this is an incredible love, protest. I love those people. Meeting in the meeting in the bush, learning how to Secure private seeds, how to spin up lightning nodes, how to transact more privately, and stoking a P2P economy, helping pe- people stack sats without KYC. It's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a very strong protest see, in a authoritarian oh, land right now. Oh, go. What you see this? what Stefan posted that one of the provinces in Australia like leaked the gun owner database, like the list of gun owners and like their home addresses. And now they're getting like, um, Persecuted by their neighbors. Really? That's yeah. convenient for the government. It's a perfect example of why KYC is massive threat to Bitcoiners. Yes. Very convenient. Second Amendment's important. Very important. I mean, uh, Denver Bitcoin made a good point that uh, if the, if it leaked to the Midwest, it would be like it would just be like a copy of the phone book. And the people that didn't have gone- <laughs> The people that didn't have guns would be in the more <laughs> the more dangerous position. Jerry, what are you um, doing? Yeah, this is extremely fucked up. Yeah, gun owner locations in Western Australia leaked this is, by the government. This is why gun gun owners in the United States have made it a 
strong red line that they don't want registries and lists of gun owners. And it really disturbs me that that the Bitcoin community has pretty much rolled over on this issue and, and thinks it's completely fine that every single Bitcoin company keeps extensive lists of Bitcoiners in our transaction history, stores them insecurely for a long period of time, might as well be forever, and shares them with governments and don't share with the government. surveillance companies. Another thing to add to like our data spiel, your data spiel earlier is like if you have data that you only need to hold for X amount of time for reporting purposes, as soon as the day that that data does not need to be held comes, just delete it. Shred it. And if you can hold it offline, so like if you can hold it in filing cabinets, that's a win. That is a big win. Filing cabinets that need like two or three keys. Physical keys, old-fashioned keys. To you could do it. like uh, you know, like what they do at the developing world airports because they TSA doesn't allow it anymore. Where they like wrap the suitcase in the saran wrap. Yeah, you could do that. Do that. <laughs> you wrap the whole filing cabinet and you have like you have tamper proof. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If if it's tampered with, you know. Um. Second and last shout out of the week. The purpose of this shout out is to inform everyone about a growing and extremely dangerous social attack on the Bitcoin, on the Bitcoin, on Bitcoin and everyone who uses it. The opponents of Bitcoin have been successful in in diverting all of your attention toward things like ESG regulation, China, and other silly things when the real threat is glaringly obvious. The Council of Benz is in the midst of an attempted (laughs) 51% attack on the male names in the space. They have a long history of using devious tactics to insert their members in positions of influence and should not be trusted. Do your part to reject this attack. I don't know what they have planned for Miami, but I'm certain it is not good. Skeef. The president. <laughs> I love you, Skeef. Skeef, the president of the Marty Jones fan club. Skeef is fucking great. Did he put president of the Marty Jones fan club? He did, and I added that. Um, nah. Skeef, have we had any new members of the Marty Jones fan club? No, because does he have it in his bio or something? They have to apply via via shoutouts, and nobody seems to want to be. I love Skeef. Skeef is great. What a good dude! I look forward to kicking it with him in Miami. I also strongly regret having six bends in the Bitcoin twenty twenty two programming. I didn't too many bends. Are they like? Is it like ban 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 ban? Where you <laughs> no, just like getting that... getting confused with emails. <laughs> No, Carmen tweeted out uh, he was bragging about it. Six bends, six bends in uh, at Bitcoin 2022 speaker list. Yeah, you bends are getting a little too uh, too full yourselves there. You're gonna need to stay humble, bends. You're gonna get shooed away. Okay. Well, well, if we're gonna bring shoes in, I'm gonna have to stand with the bends again. I was strongly strongly sided with them on Shoegate. I just didn't. They get a little cocky sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That's why you got to shoe them. You, you got to come to my side on Shoegate. They no, need but, to be shoed. But Carmen was like being humble and he just wanted to join us for a conversation. He came all the way up to the studio just to just to be a part of it. And you just unprovoked shoe. It was a it was a premeditated shoe. It wasn't premeditated. It was in the moment. And <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to amplify the shoe. <laughs> He needed to Unprovoked. be gone. Unprovoked shoe. Be gone, Ben. <laughs> hey, I take back my earlier comment. I stand with the Bens. Oh. Flip-flopping. Within two minutes. 
I'm just saying. Just because of shoe gate. I don't uh, like freaks being shooed. All right, I'll give I'll give Ben Carbon a compliment since you don't like freaks being shooed. He does an incredible job at Bit Devs here in Austin. He does. He does do a good job. He looked very good in his cowboy hat. Yeah. Or actually, my well, people know that he leads it. That's public, so I can say that. Maybe I shouldn't describe what yeah. he's wearing. Yeah, like now much. they know he has a cowboy hat. Fuck my bad, Ben. You can shoot me the next time you see me. <laughs> We're gonna hold you to that. I thought we talked about this last week. What, what you just want to talk about this Bitcoin magazine Whoa. article? The Wasabi CEO says censorship decision and chain surveillance. This came out after we recorded it came out the day after we recorded last week we were talking about the wasabi censorship decision and them partnering with chain surveillance and we theorized that there was no actual regulatory pressure for them doing it that they just did it out of their own volition to be as compliant as possible an over compliance move um the next day bitcoin magazine released this because namcios at bitcoin magazine he does fucking fantastic work um, reached out to them and actually got a comment from their CEO and their CEO said, we were not under any regulatory pressure to do it. There was no specific regulations. We voluntarily made this move to, to be as compliant as possible. So shame on them. Yeah. And then they came out Just, like Twitter threads. Like, like, delete your account. Just delete your fucking coordinator. Open up Wasabi so anyone can easily just toggle which coordinator they want to use and just let people that actually, you know, want to stand for privacy and and our rights uh, run a coordinator instead of you. Don't be... Well, even with, that, even with that possibility, would you recommend Wasabi due to the, the fee address? Well, I already... I'm, no, no, no. So they got rid of the fixed fee address a long time ago. The, the fee address, the, uh, uh, the post. It took uh, them a while. The post mix spending and change and shit. It took like them a that. fucking while to get rid of the fixed fee address, but they did get rid of that. No, I still think Wasabi is an inferior implementation to Whirlpool. I've gone many, I've explained my thinking on it for a long time. Uh, I think it's inferior to Join Market and Whirlpool, and that both of those options are better. Um, than Wasabi. Wasabi 2.0 was supposed to fix a lot of those issues. And, you know, just with the, the way everything's been acting, like I just, uh, you can't even give them the benefit of the doubt on that. And I haven't tried it because I've just been fucking furious about how they're handling this whole bullshit. So if someone else comes out with Wasabi 2.0 coordinator, that's not them, that isn't running chain surveillance on people and rejecting transactions pre-CoinJoin, uh, then maybe I'll change my opinion. But even as it currently stands, from my understanding, is there's still um, symmetric address reuse in the Wasabi 2.0, but I, which doesn't make any sense because the coordinator can literally stop the address reuse from happening. Which is where, like, an address on the input side before CoinJoin is the same as on the output side, which obviously doesn't give you any privacy. Yeah. So I don't understand why that still exists. Uh, but a lot of, at least high level, a lot of my other complaints that I have with Wasabi have apparently been fixed in Wasabi 2.0. So, in all fairness, I will give them that. We'll see if it launches. Uh, and once again, Wasabi is an MIT licensed free and open source project. The issues were really stemming from ZK Snacks, which is 
the company that's the main maintainer of this open source project. And they run that coordinator, that centralized coordinator that they've completely cucked. Um, so it should be interesting to see if other coordinators pop up specifically for Wasabi 2.0. But I will say like the, the, the way their employees and stuff have been acting on Twitter lately is just absolutely insane. Like, yeah, like they're Max, like Max Hildebrand came out and he was like, Oh, people want optionality. Like some will use the, the right, it's insane, right? The surveillance crazy. No, dude. It's it's weird. Like that I mean, and like Yeah, like some will use the cucked coin join, some will use the anyone can coin join. Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Well then this is like Marty Jones tinfoil hat on. Like, are have they been spooks the whole time? I mean, you, you add up the fee address, the bad mixing on the back end, and now this. And they present themselves as anarcho-capitalist. Max, specifically. <laughs> like, fancies himself as one of the most hardcore. Literally in the bio, the right? Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I don't really like getting personal, but, I mean, you got to call this shit out. I don't know. I hate... It's just a really fucking shame to see. I think I'm on the right side of history here. Um, I think we both are. And uh, yeah, but I, I thought it was important for the freaks to know that the CEO himself, the most recent public communication we have gotten from ZK Snacks, the company behind Wasabi Wallet, is that they voluntarily chose to go the censorship route and hire chain surveillance companies to censor transactions before coin join rounds. Yeah. Spook move, if you ask me. Uh, we'll stay on the, the topic of privacy. We'll, we'll get to software updates. We, don't, we only have a couple. We'll get to them after uh, these two topics because I think this flows well together. More positive Bitcoin privacy topic. Uh, Bitcoin development kit. Bellini, who's one of the main tainers of, of that project with Steve Myers, uh, uh, made a PR this week to implement Bit47 into the Bitcoin development Let's kit. Let's fucking go. Well, this is particularly good, right? Because Bitcoin development kit is a tool that is, in, uh, that is used to encourage other wallets. Like, so it's, it's wallet well, yeah. agnostic. It's supposed to be the base. It's yes. supposed to be the base of future wallets. Yes. So, like, so you can build a wallet on top of BDK. Exactly. Bitcoin it's, development kit. Yes. And so this is, it's really cool to see BDK um, thinking about implementing BIP47, particularly because then anybody building a new wallet on top of BDK will be able to hypothetically easily implement right. BIP47. And reminder that um, BIP47 is reusable payment codes. Uh, up until uh, a couple months ago, the only wallet, the only major wallet that had them implemented was Samurai. Um, we also have in this Sparrow this week did full BIP47 implementation. So previously they did Sparrow on desktop had a partial BIP47 implementation. Now they have all full featured support. BIP47 is a payment code that you can post. It's a text string that is a fixed text string. It is oftentimes called a stealth address. And you take that, you take that code. And if a payer takes that code, they can generate a unique address that's just between the two of them. They can put an identifier in the op return on chain, and the receiver can then basically, from that identifier, generate 
that same address and they have the private keys for it. So they're able to receive to a fresh, non-reused address um, without running a server. It is often conflated with pay NIMS. Pay NIMS are a level on top of Samurai's BIP47 implementation. Pay NIMS are a centralized server that links human readable names to that long string that is that payment code. So you can do BIP47 without pay NIMS. You can't do pay NIMS without BIP47. Pay NIMS layer on top you know, of like, BIP47. Right. Some people's pay NIMS are like Ugly Lake 45 or something. If you know their pay name, you can go to the centralized payments payment pay name server and you can look up their BIP 47 uh, long, you know, letters and numbers code uh, to pay them. Yes. And Sparrow supports both pay names and raw BIP 47. This BDK thing is going to be raw BIP 47. And could be massive, can make it easy for wallet Absolute providers massive. building on BIP, uh, BDK to implement BIP 47. Again, history lesson, Bit 47 has been a bit controversial in the develop, developer sphere specifically because it uses that op return that Matt mentioned um, as an identifier and op return um, when used in transaction takes up a lot of data. And so a lot of core devs who believe that we need to minimize the amount of data usage at the protocol layer think that Bit 47 isn't... Uh, uh, a wise decision because it will add data to the blockchain, but right now fees are relatively low. And it's very easy to get these these transactions out of the actually car. Uh, to search, uh, I think it was from Bitcoin is savings. Um, Bitcoin is scaling. It's like actually crazy to look at the fee market over the last four years. Specifically, specifically, BIP 47 requires a notification transaction. So you send a, the preliminary transaction where you're encoding something on chain um, as a communication method between the sender and the receiver is an additional transaction. Now, you only have to do that once, first of all, just the first handshake. If, if, if Marty gives me his BIP 47 payment code, I do that first notification transaction. From that point forward, I can generate fresh addresses between the two of us. I never have to do another transaction after that. So first of all, you can choose to do it during times where fees are low because it's a one-time only thing. Second of all, you only have to do it one time. Third of all, fees are really fucking cheap right now. Um, the whole point of Bitcoin is that we shouldn't have top-down edicts on what is spam and what is not. If users demand something and need something and they're willing to pay for it, they're going to pay for it. Lightning uses a shit ton of on-chain transactions. Uh, ultimately, you're batching transactions and you're getting a bunch of little transactions in the space of a couple on-chain transactions. But I know me personally, I've never used on-chain as much as I did when I was testing out Lightning because I needed it to open and close channels. Um, it clearly uses more than just buying and holding. Uh, so this whole idea that like we shouldn't implement a proven useful tool today because maybe you know fees will be too high in the future or maybe in some future we can find a way of doing it without uh, this additional fee and data chain burden is absolutely fucking bullshit. It is a ridiculous reason to hold back development it's been held back for six years maybe now at this point. And still to this day, one sap per byte basically gets you into the next block. So um, 
quite infuriating. Good to finally see some pressure happening and, and some momentum happening to put in wallets. And it's mostly because of the full Canadian clusterfuck that was the donations. <laughs> um, because that's where pay names really shine. Is it, it, well, that's where BIP47 really shines. I don't want to conflate the two. Is in situations where you're taking public donations and you don't want to run an additional server or in situations where you basically have a constant relationship with someone that you're paying often, whether that's a local business or a friend. Um, yeah. Or yeah. like your landlord or some shit. And Carr pulled up uh, the Bitcoin is savings tweet. Bitcoin transaction fee rates continue to be very low. And it's actually, it's crazy. Look at this chart. This chart looks almost manipulated. Um, help. Yeah, it looks like the data stopped feeding it. Yeah. Um, fees are very low right now. And again, too, like with that's the beauty of the fee market too. Like the, the the fee market will determine if that use case is worth it or not at a certain point, right? And right. And the user will, right? The user and the fee market. Yeah. Like whether or not they're willing to pay for it. Like I'd actually like to set up that process with me and you, like I'd be willing to pay a little bit more just because I know we have a long-term relationship. Like we're going to be able to send a ton of payments in the future off of that one single transaction. And it's like the same calculus you do with a lightning channel, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to open a lightning channel at one sat per byte because I know, or I'm willing to open a lightning channel at 12 sats per byte because I think it's going to go up way higher than that. And I want to send a bunch of transactions in the future. Yes. Um, so it's just a really weird argument against it. But anyway, our friend of the pod, good friend, Super Testnet, um, at the Sats by Hackathon, came out with a derivation of the idea, call, and he's calling it Whisper Addresses. Um, first of all, I want to say props to Super. Uh, I appreciate you, bro. And thank you for working on something privacy related. He's going to be in the uh, studio on Tuesday. Sorry, I might be front running um, you. I just so so the main idea of whisper addresses at a high level, if you already know how Bit47 works, is instead of that notification transaction happening on chain, it happens out of band. So instead of me putting the secret that Marty needs to know in order to generate the same receive address on his side, I send it to him on signal. Or he used the example email. I would say don't send it on email because that's just not secure but you send it out of band, not on chain. Um, now, there's a, there's a main negative here. And this is the reason why BIP47 uses that notification transaction in the first place. And that's because if you, want, if you need to recover your funds, you can't just recover with a seed backup. You need to have all those secrets of all the different people that paid you. And with BIP47, all that data is on chain. So all you need is your seed and your derivation path if if it's not standard derivation path, right? But you just need a traditional Bitcoin backup that's easy to keep offline. With this implementation, you need a separate digital backup that's holding all your secrets. The alternative to that is if every time you receive Bitcoin through a whisper address, you immediately sweep it. But then you're doing an additional transaction anyway. So I don't know why you're saving... Like the whole argument for this is you save from the notification transaction, but if you're sweeping every time, then you're doing even more transactions than you would be doing with a single notification transaction. So the major hurdle for something like this, my, the point I'm trying to make is that you basically need a digital backup for that secret. And I've, in that case, 
Yeah, for you finishing, I guess I'm going to say. In that Just case, say, hey, there's an. It, un- it'd be cool if you had like some kind of P2P tour communication method, which is what Samurai's been working on with the Soraban thing, where like the wallets communicate the secret to each other. And then the wallet saves it in a backup file that like has has all your private keys and has your secrets and it's encrypted and you can just save it. Um, but still, even at that point, first of all, you need to get wallets to actually communicate with each other, which is seems like a fucking lost cause. Hey, it's hard enough hey, to even hey. get them to implement BIP 47. And then the second thing is you need to keep a digital backup. It's really nice to just have steel seed offline. Super easy. Okay, go. Well, it was not this month's bit devs, but last month's bit devs when Super was explaining uh, Whisper, uh, the, the Sats by Hackathon. People came uh, and explained their projects that they were in the room. And what he said that is. Was he, this bit devs? Was that this bit devs? Yeah, I was there. Sats by was during South by. <laughs> but the wasn't name. there another hackathon where this started? Or am I, I'm, I'm losing my time. There, like I had a conversation with Super, and he said he had a conversation with a good friend Ben Carman, where Ben seems to think that you can do the on-chain messaging via Taproot, so you may not have to do all this offline storage stuff that you just described. Okay, so but then it's like BIP forty-seven with Taproot. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like this idea. I feel like we're in a false premise where the idea is that the on that single notification transaction is like the problem that needs to be fixed. It's actually gorgeous, especially in a low fee environment that you can restore everything from just the fucking seed. Yeah. Man, right. Because like we're already entering the world that in Lightning Land you need to have a digital backup because the channel states and everything is changing. And I feel like I just have this nostalgia for this on-chain simplicity that you can just keep fucking metal backup offline. Yeah. No, I mean again, reduce the tax services, reduce the potential for a user to fuck themselves over that certainly is in line with that ethos um, there's another proposal that's like the reusable taproot addresses that's by kicksignal mm-hmm. maybe that's what is that was that what you were talking about no i mean those maybe. are the ones that look like a, they look like a regular taproot address you can't even tell it just looks like a regular taproot address but it behaves like bit 47 hell yeah That'd be incredible. Yeah. I yeah, just, but- my, my other issue with that is uh, I don't know. Like, I just think users will reuse the address and they won't think it's a reusable address because it looks like the same thing. But with a payment code, it's obviously it's a payment code, not an address. Yeah. I don't know if that's a real concern, but it kind of makes sense in my head. Like if I post it on my Twitter, people just send to it like a normal address and reuse it rather than realizing it's a reusable address. Well, then maybe you just, do something similar to pay names where you create a layer above it where you make it glaringly obvious that you can yeah, I guess use you this. Could. But yeah. the problem with pay names, I like I don't love the idea of pay names because it's a centralized server. Like if, if you go to my pay name, But what does it matter? Right? Like at the end well, of the day. Well, it matters because like so Samurai team runs pay names, pay mm-hmm. server. Who's ever running that pay server could my man in the middle, they can change out that payment code with their own payment code oh, and take the payment. Oh. Now you could get around that if you PGP sign your payment codes because PGP signing, if you know the other person's PGP key, you can verify the text to make sure it hasn't been altered. But no one's adopting PGP. I mean, that's just 
Not yet. Not right, yet. Right. Hey. Hey. Not yet. <laughs> uh, hey. Well, anyway, I'm, I, I just want to be clear, super, that like I would love to have a conversation with you about this. I'm very, I'm just, I'm happy to see more development on this front. And uh, I'm not trying to, you know. You may not have heard me. I might diminish. Be- I might be diminish run- your work or anything. It might be front running dispatch. I'm going to have him on Tuesday to talk about. Well, this. I look forward to the conversation. Yeah. He's an incredibly kind gentleman uh, and extremely yeah, smart. Super is awesome. Car's got uh, very kind things to say about you. Super. We, um, I had a great, uh, I had a really great conversation with him a couple months back in person. That was, was awesome. Yeah. Um, keep pushing forward. Uh, we need, we need more devs like super out there. Uh, what else do we have on this list? Uh, well, staying on like bit 47 op return, you didn't put it on the list. You're going to call me tether shill, but the synonym team, Corey Phillips, the developer, well, don't there. put it in the same sentence well, as bit 47. Well, it's the, the relation. Another week, bit, another chick and shill for Marty. What are the, you going to do? The relationship between these two, uh, is the op return. So <laughs> synonym Synonym is, uh, again, John Carballo, uh, founder of the company. They're trying to do uh, approach design, particularly on the Lightning Network in different ways. One of the things he wants to do is bring tokens to the Lightning Network. And the first token, I believe, that they're bringing or have brought, they, they did a lot. They did a mainnet um, transaction earlier this week is Tether. I wrote a newsletter about it. I do not recommend you hold Tether. Tether centralized. U.S. government hates Tether. It's going after Tether. You can wake up tomorrow and Tether could be gone. Centralized custodial shitcoin. Yes. Um, however, a lot of people use it. It's undeniable. There's a lot of demand for stable coins around the world. Uh, and, and it's undeniable that they serve certainly like a transitional use case as we, as we transition to a Bitcoin standard. Again, I do not have a need for stable coins. I've never used them. I do not hold them. That's for my stable coin. If you do not need to hold, use stable coins, <laughs> I don't recommend that you hold them. Um, however, this is pretty cool. Like, I, I, it's really like a cool topic that requires like <laughs> fucking three disclaimers, of disclosures before you talk about it. Not disclosures, disclaimers. Um, I just think I just think the me- mechanism of of using the op return. So they use Omni Layer, which is where Tether actually originally launched, but then it got priced out and moved to other chains. As fees went up on the Bitcoin network. Um, well, so correct me if I'm wrong. They're basically opening. So they you so open a, you open a Lightning channel, and but it's a specific Tether Lightning channel. I think they're in parallel. It's not it's like, like normal Lightning channel. It's not like no. It's, it's not it's like a, our existing Bitcoin Lightning channel. No, it's a normal. It's further. a normal Lightning channel, but just has that that added op return data in the transaction. I. I no, it's it's a lightning specific it's a tether specific channel. Like my node can't route tether payments because yeah, my node doesn't know what with- fucking tether is. It's a separate lightning network. I'm not certain about it's that. It's not our it's I'm not, not certain, our not lightning certain. network. Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't I can't speak eloquently on that. Imagine if someone tried to send a a custodial dollar through your lightning node, how the fuck are they doing that? I mean, that's a they can't do that. That's a good point. I don't know. Your lightning node just sees sets. Yeah. But like, that's the thing. Like you would only send tether to somebody who could receive it. Right. So that's where. Yeah. Like, but you can't route through someone who's not, doesn't have tether channels. 
Again, I'm not. So like, in my mind, this could be like useful for like Bitfinex sending Tether to another through a private Tether Lightning channel to another exchange or something back and forth because they have a relationship with that counterparty or whatever. But like the average user doesn't like Tron Tether give them more functionality and very cheap. Apparently. They don't have to be online. They don't have to have, you know, channels open to receive Tether. Yeah. I would be interested to to hear from the Synonym team if like users that haven't spun up a dual collateralized SATS Tether channel can route those transactions. There's no way. There's no way. It, the way I see it doesn't it, like, make any sense. In my mind, like the the Tether account is just parallel. Once you open a two of two multi-sig channel, you have your SATs locked up in the channel, then via the op code between your counterparty in the channel, you guys have a balance of tether between each other. Like you can right. like, so you can send tether between those two parties. Yes. But like but then, then you can't go to the greater lightning network unless you like if you're sending sat channels. but if you're sending sats over that channel, like that can get out to other nodes, I would imagine, right? Like the tether would just be between the two. And then if more okay, people... Okay, fine. You know, yeah, you can send sats on the Lightning Network, yes. Yeah, well, that's... that's yeah. But, but but the idea that... Right, do you understand the distinction I'm trying yes, to make here? Yes, yes, but I, yeah, I do, I do. Um, like when you say tether... The way you described on, it, the way you described the it Lightning Network, it's not tether on the Lightning Network, it's tether on a Lightning Network. Yeah. Is it novel and all? I thought it was pretty interesting. Like I said, it could be novel as a exchange to exchange if you have like, you know, a hundred million dollar tether channel between two exchanges and you're constantly transferring USD back and forth in both ways, so it's balanced, like in a private channel type of situation. But I really don't see this like global, uh, like what well, we just bootstrapped a fucking Bitcoin Lightning network. We're gonna you're gonna bootstrap a separate one for the token for a token for a custodial lightning token when you can just use the cheapest shitcoin available at any given time. Yeah. Well, like do the tether traders really care? Like the trust property of tether completely relies on the tether organization and how they hold their funds, right? So that's why people don't care if they use Tron's tether versus Ethereum's tether versus Solana's tether, because ultimately at the end of the day. You're trusting Tether. You're not trusting, you know, the censorship resistance of Tron or the censorship resistance of Ethereum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But maybe I'm missing something. Uh, maybe I, I am too. Know. I don't know. I just thought it was cool. If you go watch the uh, the demo video, Corey Phillips, I thought it was cool. Like he's a developer working on something he's passionate about. And like when he sent the, the mainnet transaction, he was like giggling, like, oh my God, this is crazy. I felt happy for him in the moment. I didn't um, watch the video. Probably should before I comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Still believe that there's a shit coin. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Luna's going to take it over, dude. Same, but different, but still same or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Is that systemic risk? Buying all that Bitcoin? Putting in an algorithm. Bitcoin's for enemies. We can't stop anyone from buying we can't. Bitcoin. We really can't. If if you're mad at the Luna guy for buying Bitcoin, you have to be mad at Sailor for buying Bitcoin. 
Yeah. Um, they're both equally, uh, you know, they're both can be systemic risk to a degree, but long-term what's the risk? The risk is someone who's richer and Bitcoin doesn't have more power. So the risk is short-term price dep- uh, depreciation, right? They can sell. Yeah. They can get their money seized and it can be foresold. They can sell it themselves. They can leverage and get liquidated and it gets foresold. It's just short-term price stuff. Yeah. They can't do any fundamental changes to Bitcoin itself. And that's why people get, I, I've been noticing like a lot of people getting frustrated on Twitter lately about Bitcoin, you know, being hard to change. Like that's a feature, not a bug. Like yeah. if it was easy to change, you're going to have a lot of negatives could get added to Bitcoin. The fact that it's hard to change means that it's it's more robust against attacks. It's more sound. Um, and it's just something you have to deal with. It's one of the hardest things to change in the world, at least especially in the software world. Go read Bitcoin is Worse is Better by Gwern, written in 2011 yeah. or 12. Dude was way ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. That's a seminal piece. You got to read that if you yeah. haven't. Read yeah. that and, and, and if you Internalize still haven't read it. Arthur Hayes' <laughs> thing from last week, you got to read that and, and then go read Mandibles. <laughs> we're we're going to have to add Mandibles to the bingo card. It's been brought Have up you so. read it yet? No, I haven't. I mean, I feel oh, like Marty, I feel like I, told I have... You about the- I feel like I have with you describing it to me every week. Uh, a buddy finally watched the Waco documentary and he messaged me. He's like, fuck you, man. I didn't think you're going to turn me all Marty Jones over this shit. <laughs> yeah, you were Waco pilling me uh, last week. Every Bitcoiner needs to <laughs> watch the Waco <laughs> documentary. Read some books on it. And then after that, go look up Ruby Ridge. Yeah, Ruby Ridge is ultra fucked. They killed that dude's daughter. Um, they were both really fucked. Yeah. Yeah, they killed a bunch of children in Waco as well. Burnt them to mm-hmm. death. The ATF. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. I don't know why they throw those three together. How does tobacco get in that mix? Like, was... Car just showed me he's he's listening to the Mandibles audiobook. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll throw there it on go. my Audible. Um, well, I told you there was a freak who said he stacks a thousand sats every time I say mandibles, right? <laughs> yeah, so he's stacked at so least. He's, encu- he's encouraging me. I'm encouraging <laughs> him. He's encouraging me. Uh, mandibles, 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 mandibles. <laughs> <laughs> you just see the price shoot up. <laughs> uh, uh, the impervious browser. Uh, wrote a newsletter on decentralized identifiers. The browser itself, <laughs> the browser itself wrote the browser. It's become it's become self-aware. Impervious. They're going to launch next week or two weeks from now. I keep thinking the Miami's next week. Um, wrote a piece Old on news. DIDs, decentralized. Is this the Ion DIDs particularly, or is this like a? So they're working. So Ion was a Microsoft project. And then Buckner, uh, CSU Wildcat moved to Block, formerly Square, and he's still working on DIDs over there. I don't know if he changed the name from Ion, but anyway, they're working closely with Buckner, is my understanding. Yes. Um, is that TB Dex under Block's umbrella? It's TBD. Yeah, TBD, which is TB Dex. I don't know. Do they? I think it's just TBD. No, and then just because it's confusing because there's a separate liquid atomic swap service called TDEX. Pretty sure it's TBDEX is a decentralized exchange, right? I think it stands for to be determined. 
DBD. Let us know. But I don't um, know. Maybe it's DBDX. It doesn't really matter. But yeah, it, the did the did process. We had the conversation with Mike Brock. If if you freaks haven't listened to that, go go check it out. Um, and Mike Brock's going to be on the open source stage for Bitcoin 2022, which I'm really excited about. Boss. Um, I got him and Wiz on a Dex panel. Should be a so, good conversation. I had a conversation about decentralized identifier DIDs earlier this week. Earlier this week, like identifier Lawrence. How do we know they're decentralized? Like when you create, like where is the initial record of you creating your ID stored in a hash? In it's a, Merkle a public tree? key. Yes. Okay. And only you can access. essentially it's a public key, private key pair that is hashed into a chain that okay. is presumably Bitcoin, but it it needs to be a chain that has integrity which Bitcoin and blockchain has the most integrity. Yes. So do its people. And then you can hash, a, like you can sign a bunch of different attestations on top of that. Yes. Like right? I am 21 years old. I am licensed. Right. But I mean, you can't sign it. I mean, you, you're not supposed, like you're not supposed to, it's not, no one cares if Marty says all those things, but it's like, you know, the, your employer says, you know, you've been a great employee for like six years and your card loan dealer says you've been paying your loan payments for the last five years and they sign that. And then, you know, the DMV signs that you took your driver's test and you can see and drive and shit and they sign that. Right. And then all the attestations are there and they can be used by whatever services want to use them to whatever degree they want to use them. Yes. Pretty cool. Is this, so it was like the question that got brought up earlier this week. Is this a like digital panopticon? Where are blind spots? Or is it not? Yes. How does it how does it compare to? <laughs> uh, it, it can go both ways, Marty. Like so they're building this as like an open platform, and I'm glad that they're building it as an open platform. Um, if they didn't, someone would build it as a closed platform, which is kind of what we're seeing with like like what New York rolled out and some other jurisdictions rolled out in terms of their like blockchain based COVID passes. Arizona rolled something out this week, right? Proprietary digital ID version that runs on like IBM blockchain. Um, So they're running this like an open platform. It could be used by people however they want to use it. There is a big fear in my mind that, yeah, it will be used by authoritarians in the most draconian ways possible. And, and, And yes, while anyone could technically attest to it, uh, it's really going to be like the big tech companies and like big corporations and big government that it does all the attestations that matter. Um, yeah, that's absolutely a fear. I don't. I, I think. I think that type of situation is going to happen regardless. Uh, so it's important for us to have open platforms that people can choose how they want to use and 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 ideally opt out of those kind of draconian systems. And we're kind of going to probably see a situation. Where they're both live side by side, and look at the same day, like we're going to see that with money too, right? We'll, we'll see the CBDCs in the beginning, um, and they'll operate alongside Bitcoin. But then I think ultimately the CBDCs will fail, and we'll still see it because we'll see basically like a white listed regulated Bitcoin side that is kind of surveillance panopticon, and then you'll have the freedom Bitcoin side, and users will basically have the option of whether or not they're they're going to exit the system and opt out or not. And and I think that's kind of parallel to what we'll see in the did space. Yeah. My hope is that people 
building products, offering services, offering goods. When you don't need identity for anything, you don't like force somebody to use a did tax issue. That's that's my worry is that like we get to we're like, oh, dids are cool. Like you control the private public key pair. But then it gets to a point where it's like, oh, you don't have a did? Like, do we need identity? Like, why do we need yes. Um, you still need identity, Marty. Yeah, obviously, but like not for everything. Like I'm gonna go to a bodega. Right, not for but, everything. Yeah, not yeah. to buy, not to buy a Coca Cola or something. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, like that's my, like my hope is that it doesn't get to the point where everything. If you take out a loan or something, you're gonna yeah, need ID. Obviously, if, yes. If, if you bring your kid to daycare, like the kid's gonna need ID. You're gonna need ID. I'm like, not IDing my kid. What? Like, other than the birth certificate. I mean. I'm not putting like no, not necessarily the birth certificate, right? But they gotta fucking know their name. That the whole point of DIDS is that you choose how much information is included in that particular identity. And yes. it's important to realize here that DIDs aren't like you have a single DID. You can have many different DIDs of varying, like you can have many digital identities. What did your depending did on do? who you're sharing it with? But the thing is, like, look, you're having relationship. So, so like a. I get a, a decent example here is like beefsteak, right? Mm-hmm. At beefsteak, you buy a ticket. When you get when you get to the door at beefsteak, you got to prove that that you fucking bought the ticket, right? You don't have to give them your legal name and your birthday and your mother's maiden name and all this fucking shit, your eye color, but you need to have some kind of identifier to say like I was the one who fucking paid you for the ticket. Yeah, I agree with that. Right. Email. So the cool part about DIDS is instead of like a standard driver's license system where the government tells you, you know, like this is the authorized ID and it's this way or the highway with a DID system, you can. You can choose, you know, what is your identifier, how you want to be identified, and you can have many and you can choose w- which people get which. Yes. OK. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to play like the adversarial thinker, like how how does this fuck us over? It's probably going to be very draconian, like very dystopian on one side of the equation. Yes. <laughs> I'm like pretty sure. But I'm also like, there's a good chance, like I said, that like Bitcoin is a, part of the Bitcoin economy is like a heavily surveilled borderline CBDC type economy. But the whole point is that we have the option to opt out of that. And same with this. Sweet. Um, staying on the topic of privacy, privacy should matter to everyone, but especially to Bitcoiners. An article by Heather. What's her name again? Heidi. Is that Heidi? Heidi. Heidi Porter. Excuse me. Sorry, Heidi. We're calling you Heather. Haven't read it yet. You included it. Good article. Yeah, this is one of the ones that I like to put at the end that like freaks should consider reading if they have extra time. It's just a good call to action. I mean, the freaks, I, I think it's kind of redundant for most freaks because care about your privacy freaks. We've been telling you about this for a while. If not uh, you, then who? If not you, then who? If not you, then who? If not you, standing up, saying Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, kleptocrats in D.C. If not now, then when? You fucked up our lives. Take all of our money, go kill people in Yemen. Take all our money, misallocate it. You send our jobs overseas. Take all of our money, and then you tell us there's going to be food shortages. 
if not you, standing up and telling these people, enough, enough. Take my money. We're done. We're going Take to a Bitcoin standard. We're going, to, we're going to look within, turn to our, our local communities and focus here. We don't want your war anymore. We don't want your psyops. We don't want your proxy wars. You don't want to be part of your proxy wars anymore. You're telling everybody to care about y- Ukraine. What about Yemen? What about Yemen? What about Yemen? Why aren't they talking about Yemen? Why are they forcing you down the, the Ukraine rabbit hole? And, and talk about both. And to, yeah, they certainly talk about both. But why focus on one over the other? Propaganda. Hunter, Hunter Biden's laptop seems to be real. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of interesting Ukraine information on that, apparently. So. Has that been released? I mean, it was. I mean, when it was originally, I mean, so I think there's lawyers saying, yes, it's real. The data isn't released right now, but they did release it originally. But I like, until- saw some like pictures. Were those like leaked pictures or what, the, yeah, what was dude. the deal with that? Yeah, dude's smoking a bunch of crack. Uh, getting foot jobs, having sex with what seem to be underage girls. Uh, yeah, those are the pictures I was talking about. Yeah, those are new pictures, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, those pictures were disturbing. Very disturbing. And that's our president's son. Many think the president is the big guy, and a lot of the deals that Hunter was doing in China. Um. He looks demonic. Just looking at him, Carr's got a picture of him up up here. And you had like think of the deep state. You had what was it, fifty intelligence agencies or leaders of intelligence agencies come out and say that they thought it was Russian propaganda and misinformation. Two years later, it's actually it's a real laptop, and the contents on that are probably real. If not you, to stand up and tell these people no more, then. Maybe we just keep this shit going and you let these kleptocrats like just <laughs> live on a completely uh, different plane. That's great Martyism. <laughs> you just keep going. Uh, I forget it's Friday. It doesn't feel like a Friday. I'm going to write my last bet of the week after this. What should I, what should I write it on? Like, should I go into the Hunter Biden laptop? Should I pull up those pictures? Should I send them out to the internet? I don't know if I want to deal with all those response i mean emails. you did have a nip you had a nipple gate uh, <laughs> well, i mean this is issue this is far you worse. famously bragged that no one no one unsubscribed that no one did this is far worse than nipple gate and much more divisive i would imagine particularly yeah here in the United States. I, I haven't i i saw the pic those, those two recent pictures and they were very disturbing Literally. but i don't know uh i didn't actually like look into like what what the deal is in terms of like the actual laptop. I mean, I know it was fucked up that like they New York post got banned from Twitter for uh, posting about the laptop right Originally. before the election. And they shared emails, yeah. they shared pictures and they said it was Russian misinformation. All fake. Uh, so they, are they still saying it's disinfo? No, this is this. So this is the story from 2020. Oh, this is the original one. Did you notice yeah. that like before it came out or whatever, like there was a couple of Twitter accounts that were talking about how like 
uh, the Biden administration started to like push a, like a little bit of a narrative story that like don't believe everything you see on the internet. Yeah. And then and like specifically like they were talking about like compromising photos and stuff, and then it came out. Yeah. But um, stop yeah, me smoking I mean, crack. I don't really know what to believe in that regard. But Dude. he definitely like I think unequivocally seems like a fucked up individual. Like I just don't like. Yeah, he, I mean, you have to be a pretty fucked up individual to have <laughs> your brother die and then immediately try to fuck his wife or successfully. Oh, I didn't know about wife. that. Oh yeah, dude, you didn't know that. That's uh, <sighs> car's got a green wall. Thing he wants to put up here. What, what's Glenn doing? Glenn, answer my emails, please. Oh yeah, Glenn. Wow, quit. green wall looks pretty heavy in that picture. See, he's lost some weight over the last two years. Um, yeah. You're looking good these days, Glenn. Oh, there's uh, 2020. Yeah. High, oh, yeah. Stress, high stress time for him. He tried to memory hole this. Now, like, it's Glenn, conven- conveniently dropped. The-, <laughs> the confirmation of the laptops just conveniently dropped in the middle of a war and rapid inflation and energy crisis. It's like, oh, yeah, Hunter's, Hunter's laptop's actually real. Um, for the audio freaks, uh, what Carr pulled up was that Glenn Greenwald quit the intercept over their lack of reporting on the and and glenn greenwald famously started the intercept uh post noted leaks which he broke yes um, while he was at the guardian and then the guardian stifled shit and then he went and started the intercept with uh one of the co-founders of paypal or automayor right or like one of the lead investors in PayPal, maybe not. He maybe wasn't one of the co-founders. I think it was, but he was investor. PayPal involved, and then they broke up, and now he's independent. Substack and Rumble, Glenn. I need Rumble tips. How do we growth hack on Rumble? I don't know how to do that. If any freaks have Rumble Rumble's tips. a shit coin. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I tell you, freaks. I look forward to the Rumble League. Dude, I fell down like a dark Hunter Hunter Biden laptop rabbit hole when it first dropped. I saw all the shit. It's all fucked up. I tell you freaks not to watch porn, but I've seen Hunter Biden get a foot job. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That's, like, pretty, that's pretty bad, Marty. Like, uh, that's what he would do with his laptop. He was like Dennis Reynolds. He would just keep it open and videotape everything he did. Um, I've seen Always it. Always Sunny is such a classic. <laughs> Uh, you have to laugh at this stuff. These people, this is the son of the president. Laptop proved that he was brokering power deals in Ukraine, China, and Russia uh, to so that those the power players in those countries could gain influence in the U.S. And again, we're we're just pawns in this proxy war between all these people in a dick measuring contest on a plane above us right now. Don't let all this shit get you down, freaks. No, you gotta laugh. Just focus on what's important. Focus on the good shit. Don't recommend. Stay on both tax dots. Yes, don't recommend. And I'll end it. I don't recommend watching the videos on Hunter Biden's laptops. It'll take it'll take months to to erase from your mind. Peace and love, freaks. You heard it here first. Marty recommended it. Enjoy your weekend. Cheers. (laughs)